For the kingdom belongs to his sheep And your life is in the hands Of a God who never sleeps Fear not, little lamb For the kingdom belongs to his sheep in the hands of a God who never sleeps. Hey, and welcome back to Tending Lambs. I'm Abby. I'm Katie. And I'm Sam. And today we're going to be talking about sharing um, and why we should not force our children to share. Uh, and to start off, I just wanted to back up and talk about the actual concept of sharing. Why do we make our children do it in the first place? Generally, uh, parents' justification for this is that, you know, we want them to be kind and thoughtful and generous people. Uh, we don't want them to be selfish or entitled. So we feel like we need to kind of force these good characteristics onto them and teach them what it looks like to um, to participate in them. So my question is, does making them share actually accomplish these ends? Does it make them kind, thoughtful, and generous? Um, let's back up and ask the same of ourselves. Katie, are you a kind and generous person when you're forced <laughs> to share your things? <laughs> um. No. <laughs> well, um, no, I, not generally. If, if it's something that is obviously against my will to begin with, then no. Yeah. Like, oh, suddenly. I like someone can make you share, but your feelings about sharing at that point are kind of like, uh, yeah, you not, know, ex <laughs> not exactly kind and generous. <laughs> no, not exactly. So if we had to share our most beloved belongings with our friends or with our husbands or even with our kids or perfect strangers against our own will, and they were just kind of taken from us and plopped into their possession, that probably wouldn't make us kind or generous people. That would just make us bitter. Uh, kind of doesn't really conjure up a whole lot of generosity. Well, the thing that always comes to my mind when I think about this subject is how it actually is actively working against having your kids be generous because at at the age when you're trying to when people are usually trying to make their kids share you know like toddlerhood four or five and then four and five and you know maybe a little bit older than that their sense of property rights their sense of right and wrong their sense of justice their like all of these things are really newly developing yeah. and so if you go in there and you kind of mess up that process by trying to like impose kindness I guess you know not that kindness shouldn't exist but you're trying to impose it on the situation right. when uh, you know they're in this moment developing a sense of no this is mine and that's yours <laughs> you know that that can really complicate things and, and backfire yeah time. their world is very black and white mm -hmm. it is and they're also so much of this is experimentation like social experimentation for them and I know that Janet Lansbury really put it into perspective for me with a lot of um 
the issues of sharing since, I mean, I have a bunch of little kids who all have their own property and we have communal property, but, um, but especially with the toddler age and something that I believe it was Janet Lansbury that said this was, um, there are no villains or victims in toddler land, just children learning by experimenting with social behaviors. Yeah, something important, you know, sometimes we do have to force our kids to do things. Sometimes that is necessary for their protection or protection of other people or, you know, we've gone over that. Um, but in times that we're trying to teach character, it's never necessary and it will never accomplish your goals. Because um, forcing a child to share basically completely removes the intrinsic motivation for being kind. Uh, it reduces the entire point of sharing to extrinsic motivators. Um, I have to share or else I will get spanked or I should share so that I get a treat um, rather than sharing or taking turns to help a friendship thrive um, or just feel the satisfaction of being kind to someone else. Yeah, it basically just all goes back to the whole foundation, you know, uh, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish? Are you trying to just, you know, modify behavior? Are you just trying to get them to do the right thing? Or are you trying to teach them, you know, proper motivation? And I think, you know, like I said earlier, you just not only do you not teach proper motivation or, you know, help them uh, develop a sense of proper motivation and under, you know, that kind of stuff, but you're just really working against your goal. You're trying to make a three-year-old share something that they really feel like is, is mine or it is theirs. And that's not going to go well. You're just setting yourself and them up for failure and a big fight and a big power struggle. Yeah. You know, one thing that I love um, that Dr. Barbara Sorrells does, and this kind of opened my eyes, she takes actually a whole episode to talk about sharing as well, and we will put that um, in the show notes. But one thing she um, encourages is for parents to actually uh, distinguish between sharing and turn-taking. Um, and the purpose of that is to really clarify with your kids what your expectation or what you're encouraging them to do is. And so, you know, obviously sharing would be splitting this cookie in half and you get half and I get the other. Whereas turn taking, you know, I play with this toy for a set amount of time or what have you, and then you play with it. You're not really sharing when you're taking turns with a toy. And so I think that can kind of help eliminate some of the frustration about what your expectations or encouragement of your, of your child is. That's so interesting because thinking of that on a little kid level, I mean, if you're like, hey, no, you, you have this ball, but little Timmy wants it and you need to share with him. Does that child know that the ball is coming back? Like, does he understand that we're, right. we're turn taking? Because if you just say like an open ended share, then what does that mean to somebody? That actually kind of perfectly leads into our next point, which is that sharing really is not developmentally appropriate for toddlers to begin with. Um, it's yeah. not really an age-appropriate expectation for them. Um, of course, we don't want them to be selfish, but as we've established, um, forced sharing <laughs> isn't really sharing at all, and it doesn't accomplish that end to begin with. Yeah. So when you think about the brain development that needs to take place in order to share, the kind of order of events, they need to, a child needs to be able to recognize someone else as a separate individual from themselves. 
That is toddlerhood in a nutshell. That's what they're working on. Um, they need to understand someone else's want, wants um, and that those wants might be different than their own. Again, toddlers are not capable of empathizing until really after they're almost out of the toddler years, around four to five is what I've read. Then they need to be able to answer those wants and desires outside of themselves with actions, giving the person the item in order to share it. And toddlers just don't have the developmental ability for empathy, for impulse control, um, to force themselves to place that item into another person's hands, to place that person's desires above their own. It's not, you know, you may see that occasionally and they may, you know, have good days with that, but as far as an expectation, um, they really won't master that until after they're actually out of the toddler years. And it's really a beautiful thing to see it happen naturally because um, especially with my, well, not middle anymore since there's four, but with my four-year-old poet, she, um, her and her sister, they share a lot of the same things. They share the same room. Um, They have like a lot of their life is kind of together and poet does have things that are special to her and, and just thinks, I mean, she doesn't always want her little sister in her business and her stuff, but I've just noticed lately, um, especially as we have backed off in the past year or two from forcing, sharing, apologies, forgiveness, all this other stuff, like, like trying to control them that she's developed, she's developed this on her own. And so I will be trying to take something from her and I'll, I'll try to, I'm still having a hard time not intervening all the time, but, um. But Poe will stop me and be like, no, mom, it's okay. She really wants this and I'm going to share it with her. And it's just like such a big thing to see that that is entirely from her. She's actually stopping me from intervening because she cares about what her sister desires and providing that. Yeah. Yeah. You can't force that. (laughs) You know, along with kind of the developmental aspects, one thing is – that I mentioned earlier is toddlers are really just beginning to explore the idea of autonomy and that they can own things. If you haven't ever heard a three-year-old chant mine, mine, then you have not spent enough time around a (laughs) three-year-old. They all do it. And there's a reason they all do that. Um, They are trying to figure out who owns this object. Is it mine? Um, Is it yours? If I say it's mine, does it become mine? Um, so I think, you know, just this idea that they can own things is very exciting to them. They're their own person. They can have their own belongings. And that's an exciting concept when your entire world has been shared up until that point. That just makes me think of how often I see correlations between teenhood and toddlerhood like how there are so many new understandings of the world and so much new responsibility and you don't you're kind of awkward it's like when you're always growing and you're in that stage where you're never quite fitting your clothes well because you're not here you're not a kid yet anymore but you're not a grown-up yet and there's so much overwhelming information coming in and you're trying to sort it all out, you know, and they all go through this process. And it's really interesting to me to see how mirrored those two phases of life can be. Yeah. It's why at some point 
your kid just naturally, hopefully, does not want to live with you anymore, right? Right. (laughs) They want their own place. They want their own stuff. They want to be in control of how they spend their time and and not being accountable. And that's a good thing. I think sometimes parents miss out on the fact that that's a good thing. That means you raised a functional adult. The fact that they want to have their own place. They want that responsibility. It's like we see these phases of independence and automatically it threatens us and it threatens us having to share, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just think, you know, when we, muddle principles about ownership, about what belongs to who and when they can and can't use it, it really doesn't help this milestone. It it hinders it. It confuses it. Right. And on that note, I think if people let go, if more people let go here and they say, you know what? No, she's using that right now. I'm going to let her use it. You know, just because this other kid wants it doesn't mean that she has to get it you're providing a foundation of um, of ownership and of property rights and of, of uh, what it really truly looks like to have ownership over your things. And so there in that space is where the ability to let go comes from. Yeah. Because you have to be able to give or to be able to give something, you have it has to be yours first, and you have to be willing to let it go. But you can't properly approach that kind of, um, yeah, that decision to give someone something if you have a really confused, distorted view of what's yours and what's not. Like if if you're confused about that, then maybe you just owe everything, everyone, and you have a really weird sense of 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 uh, you know what what is yours and what isn't, you know? Well, I think too, um, the parents role in that, like it's such a crucial thing to be able to, uh, to connect with your child in these instances and let them know that you're acknowledging that, yes, that is yours and you don't have to give it to somebody else right now. And it's a good way to model, but it's also a way to build trust. So they like that immediation of, okay, mommy sees and understands that this is mine. I feel like this is mine and I don't want to give it because that's kind of a scary thing for a kid is to be like, oh no, do I have to give up the thing that I really, really like? So I think that that's a really important relationship um, aspect of sharing and teaching to share is that your child has the security in you to be their advocate. And so when later you have the opportunity to guide them and model sharing, they might actually trust you and take you more seriously because like this is someone who knows this is my stuff and who cares about me. So, so there's that foundation there. Yeah. That actually uh, is like the perfect, I was, I had a thought in mind as you were talking and I was like, Oh man, yeah, this is great. Um, because they're, I think some people might hear us saying just like, let this go completely, you know, like don't, don't intervene or don't uh, involve yourself at all in trying to teach sharing. But I don't think that that has to be the case. I think that like you were saying, modeling is one of the biggest ways to teach sharing. But also I think as they get older and it's more, you can see their wheels turning a little bit more. It's okay occasionally to, say, you know, you've been on, you've been working with this for a really long time. And uh, um, I think you have a few friends that would really 
really enjoy working with it right now. You know, that kind of suggestion and saying, you know, hey, how about another five minutes? And then we let somebody else have a turn. Like, I don't think that that's wrong to do something like that. No, not at all. But yeah, I think talking to our kids about sharing and modeling it for them and and those types of things are totally fine in age-appropriate ways, of course. Like, we don't have to just leave this up to chance. You know, I think for the most part, we can back off and trust the process and trust that they're going to develop these senses and that we're going to uh, be there to guide them in, in these moments, you know, but, um, but you know, this, I think there's just way too much uh, of an urge to control these moments and to try to make the right thing happen, which is just not productive. Yeah. Right. I think another thing that's important to note is that, um, when we teach our kids that it's okay that they don't have to share and that they don't have to be okay with other kids snatching their toys, we actually teach them that other kids have the same right. So that if they are the person snatching, the other child will be vindicated and the toy will be given back. That the same rule applies to everyone, or it should apply for, to everyone, to also be kind to their friends and not snatch because the same rule applies. Yeah, that definitely kind of goes back to the preferential treatment stuff we've talked about before Yeah, and how it, it plays out, like how you treat your children and basically teach them about their own selves and their property that extends to their relational dynamics with everybody else. Right. Something else that we should probably touch on is that a child's belongings are some of the few precious things that they actually have control of in their lives. Um, most of the time they don't control when they wake up or when they go to sleep or when they eat, what they eat, where they go, just they have no control over their little lives and expecting them to release these items to siblings and friends or complete strangers at the park is not reasonable. No. And that, you know, it also, uh, going back, going back to Janet Lansbury, it always comes back to Janet. Uh, (laughs) And how often, it's really interesting how often it happens that um, someone who's written into her, her uh, one of the things that they mention is a new sibling. Like if they're having issues with their kid and <laughs> like, you know, reading down and then they say, oh, and by the way, we just had another baby. Or, oh, by the way, we also just announced a new pregnancy. Like, oh, okay. It's almost so predictable, you know, and these huge transitions in life, like with new siblings, changing cities, like going to a new school or a new house, like these things are like, are are just huge indicators that you're gonna have trouble, particularly with letting go of their own property, because they're really trying to figure out and where they are in the world and like stake their claim almost like I still am me. I'm still here. This is still mine. Even though everything else is changing, this is mine. Yeah. Maintain some sense of normalcy, consistency, control over their lives. I can't control what city I live in, but I can control this thing. Um, And that's important. You know, I think sometimes the word control comes with really negative connotations but I mean let's be real we all need to have some sense of control over aspects of our lives we know that ultimately we are not in control of our lives but um 
that's just a basic human need to not feel like your life is just utterly and totally out of control. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that that ultimately, it's not that we're out of control. It's that ultimately, ultimate control is in God's hands. But when it comes to, uh, you know, our own agency, he has given us agency to take care of our things, to nurture relationships. And we really need to have um, the knowledge that we can do that. Yeah. You know, that's really important. And that actually brings me to our next point really well, that eliminating conflict is not the goal of parenting because life is full of conflict. The whole point is to teach them how to handle it and to feel, you know, a sense of agency throughout the conflict. But by jumping in and forcing an outcome, you're eliminating the part of the whole situation where the child learns how to do the hard work of relationship building. So, I mean, of course, we don't let the conflict escalate to where anyone's getting hurt or something, but allowing children to have some friction and to learn what it looks like to work together for solutions is an invaluable lesson. You know, that can't be contrived, um, but it can be really easily missed if you step in all the time. You know, that was one of the most amazing things about my time working in a Montessori school was um, actually my after school class, kids aged four to 11. And so I had some really cool opportunities to basically not get involved. (laughs) And it was amazing to see these kids work things out. And not only that, but when they would come to me, they were coming to me as an impartial. Uh, help for both of them. And they knew that. And they would say, you know, some occasionally a kid would come and they, and when they felt really, really wronged. And of course they would want me to enact justice or like, tell me what had gone on. But I, you know, I, I had learned from, um, other more experienced Montessori teachers there, how to handle these situations and to step back and say, Oh, wait a second. I, you know, I'm not the one that hit you, or I'm not the one that took your things. She is, or I'm not the one who was whatever, and I'll be right here for you, but uh, you need to tell her these things, and I'll be right here. Uh, and they would, you know, look at each other, and it was amazing to see how they would say, you really hurt my feelings, or you hit me, and I didn't like that, and uh, I don't want to play with you. And, you know, they would both kind of look at me, and I would you know, ask, you know, how does that make you feel? Are you okay with that? You know, do you think you need to give her some space? Just asking questions. Maybe she needs a hug or, you know, just ask her, what does she need to make this right? You know, and they would just take care of it themselves. And that was really, really cool. Yeah, that is really cool. One thing I'd like to bring up is um, something you mentioned earlier, Katie, which is communal property, like a park, like a slide or a swing. Mm -hmm. Um, or perhaps if your children are in daycare or school, um, this issue will probably come up more frequently than not. Um, So I think it's important to note that when we don't blur the lines about the rights a child has over his or her own property, um, so we're not forcing them to share, it's not maybe today, maybe not, Mm -hmm. um, they're much more likely to understand the necessity of taking turns using communal property like a playground. Um, They know that 
for certain that some things 100% belong to them and that this is not one of those things. <laughs> right. so I think the lines of distinction are much clearer about that um, when it does come to communal property. Yeah, I think that that is a really, a really good point that and just like I think we've mentioned at, at various other points that when you allow them to have uh, possession and have agency over their own property, it really helps them to develop that sense of like, okay, this is mine, this is not. And so it helps them be able to let go when right. they are in a situation where it's not theirs exclusively. Right. Yeah, and I think that's where, you know, taking turns or gently setting time limits or just, you know, encouraging them to let another child have it can be enforced. You know, it may not go perfectly, of course, you know, you don't, <laughs> nothing ever goes perfectly in parenting, right? Um, but the rules can be clear. Hey, you have your things. Those belong to you. You don't have to share them. This is not your thing. <laughs> so right. you do kind of need to take turns. You need to figure it out and be a good right. friend. So, yeah, definitely. Right. So guys, what are some ways that we can encourage our kids to share? If we're not going to force them to, um, how do we encourage this good character of being a generous person? Yeah. So one of the ways that I think is really effective is to, once things have calmed down a little bit, is to ask them to observe the reaction of other kids uh, when he shares his toys with them. So how fulfilling that is to make a friend happy. Like, oh man, yeah, your friend is so happy that, uh, you know, that's so, that's so cool. Um, you could also reflect on how good it feels when someone else shares something that he wants to use uh, with him. Uh, not because his mommy made him, but because he wanted to hand it over to make him happy. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to what I was saying about the intrinsic motivation. Really, like that is intrinsic motivation right there in a nutshell. <laughs> and then, you know, I think we can just encourage but never force or hurry a child to share a toy, like help them observe Um man, it really seems like your friend wants to use that. How would you feel about letting them do that, you know, when, when you're done with it or, or maybe before you're ready to be done with it, just, just to be kind, suggesting these things without ever forcing them? Yeah, I think it's a great suggestion with the wording that you used. How would you feel? Because that helps them more than, um, that helps them to kind of, explore that in their mind a little bit more. Um, yeah, like how would it feel to do this? It, it presents a hypothetical to them rather than you need to do this. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. Something we need to keep in mind as parents is setting the example of sharing or graciously declining to share. Um, if we want our kids to share, though, we need to be modeling it to them and with them. Am I willing to share my food, my time, my items, anything with my children? If not, is that reasonable? Am I being hypocritical in holding them to a standard that I don't hold myself to? Yeah, and I think an important thing to say about that is you don't have to share with your children. <laughs> you can yeah, because you want to, uh, but sometimes we have boundaries and that's okay. But um, it's not reasonable to have that ourselves and then expect our children to just share all their stuff with everyone. 
Yeah. I think that one's kind of a big one for me too. And somehow particularly around food, like I always end up giving so much of my, and Calvin's not even one and a half yet. And I still end up giving so much of my food to him. And I end up realizing like, wait a second, I've, I have like almost none of this left. Like, where did this all go? You know, and uh, it's really easy for moms to just give. Yeah. And that doesn't help in setting healthy boundaries. Um, Something that I like with poet in particular, she loves food and she loves relationships and she loves whatever you're doing and being involved. And so anytime it's my turn to eat, basically she will, um, she'll come around a lot of times she asks me for food and it's, and, but she takes it really well. If I'm like, Hey, this is mommy's and I need to eat too. Cause your belly got filled up and it's time for mommy's belly to get filled up. Um, and that's how they learn to model when they need to say no to somebody too. I mean, they understand your boundary and what you need, but then they can also turn around and be like, Hey, no, I don't want to share my snack right now, friend. I'm, I need to fill up my belly because I'm hungry. Yeah, exactly. Um, something I was actually going to mention earlier, but, um, I think is a good place to mention it now is also in moments where things don't go so well is sports casting. Mm -hmm. And so sports casting is a really great way to be that neutral mediator. And to not come in, swoop in and be like the judge and jury all in one and to um, not have it be a trial, but just to hear what happened, hear how everyone feels and then choose a better way forward. Yeah. Yeah. I think another one is just acknowledging when they are generous Um, saying, wow, you, you shared that with your friend and that was, that was really kind of you. You know, you did that all on your own. I'm really proud of you. I think that's a big one. Kids, a lot of kids really respond well to hearing what they did well, um, especially mm-hmm. in an age when they can be very sensitive to correction. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. sometimes it seems like that's what we're constantly doing at this age, even in a gentle or redirectional kind of way. I think mm-hmm. it's important to offer our kids encouragement that they're, they're doing well in certain areas, um, you know, and, and that we saw that, we recognize that. Something that I really like about doing that is they start to verbalize why. So if you're like, that was so kind of you to share with your sister, then the other might be like, yeah, well, I really wanted to help her be happy or something. Like, it's just so precious yeah. to hear their, the motivation behind it when it's, which just, just comes from the heart. Yeah, that's really sweet. Yeah. And I think one thing that's like, probably the most important in all of this is just for us to be patient. Yeah. Like they're growing and learning and they're slowly developing. Sometimes it feels really slow, but there's, and then sometimes (laughs) it feels really fast, Uh, but they are developing even the capacity for empathy and controlled behavior, sharing all of these things are, are developing. And it's so cool when it happens organically but so often, because of impatience, we think, oh, you did this just great yesterday. You could do it today. But mm-hmm. that's not how things work. You know, it's not linear. Sometimes things, some days are easier than others. And that's true even as an adult, but even mm-hmm. more so as a kid who does not have the brain development that we have, you know, and just being patient will help us come to these situations in a much more helpful way to begin with. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Katie. Um, And that's one thing I really love about gentle parenting is that child development is always in the forefront of this philosophy. And Mm -hmm. that's just a really beautiful thing. And I think that's actually a perfect place to end. So thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to Tending Lambs. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please join our Facebook group, Tending Lambs Community Group. You can follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash tendinglambs, and find the show notes page and lots of other gentle parenting resources at our website, tendinglambs.com. Until next time. Mm -hmm.